0: Okay, well, good morning, everyone, from my side. Um, Welcome to the first installment of A Familiar Stranger. I am really excited, yeah, really, really excited for what God's, what I believe God is going to do in and through this series that we're doing. But first, a quick story. So I have this dream of having a huge fruit. And vegetable garden in our house. We especially bought a house that has a big garden because I just want to have fruit trees. Where I'm like, why would you plant trees if they don't grow fruit? I mean, put trees there that have fruit so you can enjoy the benefits. I would. I want this um, beautiful, huge, big veggie garden so that I don't have to go shop for my veggies. I can just walk outside, pick some herbs, pick some veggies, and cook it that night for dinner. Okay, my mom has a garden like this. It is amazing. I've got some pictures. that you can just flick through. Um, so when we go to my mom, she has like every kind of fruit tree you can imagine. She's got every berry, blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, gooseberries, strawberries, I guess a lot of berries, um, and every, all the vegetables and the herbs. And it's such a highlight for us on holiday to send the kids with their little baskets into the garden and they just, they collect whatever we're going to eat that night. They collect it and we cook it and we eat it. And so I love the idea of this fruitful garden. But I have learned the hard way that this kind of garden takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time, a lot of intentionality. There is a lot that goes into caring for, cultivating the right soil, spraying to keep the bugs away, pruning, trimming, making sure that the environment is right in order for... This fruit tree with these vegetables to be able to produce fruit. And so currently we have four fruit trees in our house. Oh, I forgot to start this again. Okay. Currently we have four fruit trees and we planted them as soon as we moved in. So literally the week we moved in, we were like, clear the space, plant the trees, and that's all we've done. We just planted them and then we left them. And so three years later, We haven't had any fruit off of these fruit trees. Their leaves are withering right now, and they're not growing correctly because we've never pruned them. Um, We've never cut them in the right places so that it strengthens the growth. We've never sprayed them, so most years they get eaten up, and then they revive again the next year, but they're not doing great. Because we haven't prioritized the time. We haven't set aside the time. We haven't done the work of cultivating the right environment for these trees to produce fruit. And isn't that the same in our lives? We want the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to be more patient, more kind, more considerate. Who doesn't want more self-control, more peace, more kindness, more gentleness in their lives? But are we willing to do the work that it takes? Because God won't be mocked. We will reap what we sow. So if we're going to put the time and if we're going to create the space to cultivate the soil of our hearts, to create the right environments for us to meet with God, then and only then will we see the fruit formed in our lives. And so I want to encourage you as we come out of our sowing series We're not going to stop talking about this. Like Jason said, we're going to keep beating this drum because sowing is not just a series. Sowing is is our word for the year. It's what we want to see us do this year as a church is just to sow good seeds, to keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep working on your rule of life, keep spending time in God's work, keep pushing in to, to a rhythm and a routine that allows you to cultivate time for God, so that we can see the fruits, and we do this so we 're going to keep encouraging you to do this because these habits and spiritual practice are a means to an end it 's not the spiritual practices it 's not the habits that that we 're focusing on they're a mean to an, means to an end the goal is communion with God the goal is intimacy with God. The goal is transformation, being true, true formation that's being changed from the inside out. So the habits don't change us. They facilitate the environment for the Holy Spirit to change us. And when we create the space, when we create the, the right soil, the right environment, the Holy Spirit can come in and the Holy Spirit can do a deep work in our hearts, transforming us from the inside out. They create the space for us to meet with God. And when we say we meet with God, it's the Holy Spirit that we meet with. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God in our lives. And so today, I want to invite you to experience the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, for a long time, I thought that the Holy Spirit only appeared in the book of Acts, okay, in the New Testament. I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit was present and active from the very beginning of time and all throughout Scripture. So if you look at the Old Testament, we will see the Holy Spirit present and active in the life of God's people. And so my first point today is that the Holy Spirit is God. Genesis 1 verse 2, it says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the, f- the, the surface of the waters. So the Holy Spirit was present at creation. In Genesis 1 verse 26, God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. The Holy Spirit wasn't just present, the Holy Spirit was active in creating. We are created in His image because He is God. And so we worship a God that is part of a trinity, okay? We, we believe that there's three parts but one God. Okay, don't get just, don't don't let me lose you here, okay? In kids' church, we actually use, there's a few analogies that we share with the kids to help them understand because it's, it's a hard concept for kids to get around. It's a hard concept for adults to get around, let alone kids. And so a few of the things we'll say to them is, you know, look at this egg. Is this one egg or is it three eggs? They'll say, it's one egg. Well, there's a shell and there's a yolk and there's an egg white. So it's three parts but one egg. Other times we've used an analogy of of water, okay, this cup of water, I can freeze it and then it becomes ice, or I can put it in a kettle and then it becomes steam, or I can keep it in this cup and it's water, but it's still the same cup of water, three parts, one cup. There's also the music note analogy, okay, a music note apparently is made up of three parts, (laughs) just repeating what I heard, is made up of three parts and individually it's, it's something different. But put together, it makes this beautiful note. And so these are great analogies, but I don't even think it comes close to what God and who God actually is. And so I think that our minds are quite finite, and we are finite human beings, but we serve an infinite God. And so there is mystery, and there always will be mystery around who God is and and what God is and where God came from. And isn't that why we worship him? If we could put God into a box, if we could make sense of absolutely everything, why would we worship him? If if our small minds, finite minds, can make sense of, of a God, then he's not a very big God. But we serve a great God. We serve a big God. We serve a God that goes beyond our our understanding or our minds, and that's why we worship him, because he is God. And so here in Genesis, we see that it was the Trinity that created the world. God being the Father, God being the Son, and God being the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And so when we look through the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit's presence all throughout working in the lives of God's people. Um, He was part of the Israelites' journey. We see the Holy Spirit in leading them during the day in a cloud, and we see the Holy Spirit leading them at night in fire. When they set up their temporary temple, the tabernacle, um, in Exodus 40 verse 34, we see the Holy Spirit coming and filling it. it. says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. See, the Holy Spirit is God. He was God with the Israelites. We also see the Holy Spirit strengthening people at different times for different reasons throughout the Old Testament. We've got prophets and judges and certain kings where the Holy Spirit came and strengthened them, equipped them, empowered them for what they needed to do. Um, the story of Samson, Samson. it says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and suddenly he gains this like crazy strength where he can just rip a lion's jaw apart. Okay, in Saul, when Saul became king, um, the word says that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he started to prophesy. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. See, the Holy Spirit is active and present in the lives of God's people from the beginning, but he wasn't permanent yet. So the Holy Spirit came, and then he left, and he came, and he left. You see with Samson, um, it says the Holy Spirit left him, and he lost his strength. And with Saul, the Holy Spirit left him and came upon David, who then became king, and God empowered him to lead. So wherever God was at work, the Holy Spirit was at work. Solomon builds a temple to host the presence of God. In One Kings eight verse ten to eleven, it says, "When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple." Then Solomon said. The Lord has said that He will dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built him a magnificent temple for you. Built you and built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. And it was good for that time. It was good for for God's presence to be there with the people, but it wasn't forever. It wasn't, it was never meant to be forever, because there was always something missing. Solomon couldn't go into that temple and be with God. God's presence was so strong, so powerful in that place that there wasn't there wasn't intimacy in that time. They didn't have access into the presence of God. And so if we go start then looking at the New Testament, we actually see the Holy Spirit from the beginning of the New Testament when Mary conceives. It was through the Holy Spirit that Mary conceived Jesus. And then at Jesus' baptism, and I love this story because this is one of the stories where we can actually see all three of the Trinity in one place, present at Jesus' baptism. So Mark 1, 10 to 11, says, as Jesus came up out of the water, so Jesus is there as the Son of God, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him. So we see the, uh, descending on him like a dove. So we see the Holy Spirit present and filling Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And so here we see the Father present as well through his voice coming from heaven. And so all three, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And do you know that Jesus didn't perform any miracles? He didn't, um, he didn't start his, his ministry until that point. And I believe it's because Jesus didn't draw on his godness, let's call it that, in order to, to, to do what he did, to live the life. He drew from the Holy Spirit. It was only after he was filled and strengthened and empowered and had the, the Holy Spirit with him that then he could begin his ministry. Then he could um, perform the miracles that he performed. And Jesus is our model. I believe whatever Jesus, Jesus lived the kind of life that we can live today. We can do what Jesus would do if he was us because we have access to the same power that Jesus had access to. We have access to the same person that Jesus had access to. Everything that Jesus did, he left his throne, he came to earth, he became man, fully man. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and so he could do what he did in his life. Acts one four to five, we see the Holy Spirit when after Jesus goes up into heaven, the Holy Spirit is then passed on to us. Acts one four to five says, Once when he was eating, this is Jesus when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, we see that the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, you know, it stuck out to me when I was reading that story again was that it says every believer was present. So everyone, everyone that believed that Jesus was the Son of God was present there that day. And then it says each of them were filled. So every one of them, not, not just Peter and John. I said Paul in the first service, but apparently he wasn't there yet. <laughs> just <laughs> He wasn't, I know. Anyway, so Peter and John, not just those key disciples, the ones that walked with Jesus, but all the disciples, everyone who believed in Jesus, received the Spirit that day. In John 14, 16 to 17, when Jesus was preparing his disciples for Um, he's going, for him leaving. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Okay, those words are important. Who will never leave you? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now, because he's in Jesus, So he was living with them now, and later will be in you. So firstly, who will never leave you? In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit comes and goes. He fills people, and then he leaves, um, because it wasn't complete yet. But Jesus said, it's better that I go, because then I'm going to send somebody, and this somebody, this person that I'm sending, will never leave you. He will be with you forever. And so now we have the Holy Spirit in us permanently, forever, with us, every day, every second, every minute of every day, the Holy Spirit is with us. And it says, and later will be in you. Now every believer receives the Holy Spirit when we give our lives to Jesus. So when we accept God as our Lord and Savior, and we say, God, I don't want to live this way, the way that I've been living on my own anymore. I believe who you are. I believe who you said that you, I believe you did what you said you did. I believe that you are God. Please, Come into my life, I give my life to you. What we're actually doing is we're inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives to, to walk with us, to talk with us, to be present in our lives. See, in the Old Testament, the, temp, the, the temple wasn't complete because they didn't have access into the presence of God. There was no intimacy, they couldn't be close to God. But when Jesus went up to heaven and he ushered in a new era, the era of the church. And that's where the, the, the church started. And in this new era, every believer, every person had God's presence in them. And so that comes, brings me to my second point, which is you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't need a temple anymore to house the presence of God. We don't have to travel across the world to, where is it, Israel, um, Jerusalem, to go and just... <laughs> mind's going blank, to, to encounter God, to be in His presence, because we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God's presence lives in you. 1 Corinthians three sixteen to 17 says, um, this is Paul talking to the church, and he says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So we, we now house the Holy Spirit. Do you know that, um, that day that Jesus went into the temple and he started like turning over all the tables and he had this like passionate moment for God's house? Um, the, he said to, to the religious rulers, they were trying to ask him things, and he said, okay, you can destroy this house, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will rebuild it. But God, uh, Jesus wasn't actually talking about the temple. He wasn't talking about Solomon's temple. He was talking about himself, his body. He was saying, destroy this temple, and I, and I will rebuild it in three days. And that is what happened. They did destroy, they did break his body, and he did r- rise and r- uh, raise, gosh, rise again. He was raised to life again within three days. Um, And now that's been passed over to us. So now we are, the same way Jesus was the temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3 verse 2. Again, Paul says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message heard about Christ. So when we believe, because we believe in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has that he has purchased as to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. And so we're actually identified as God's people because of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because we receive the Holy Spirit. Romans actually puts it even clearer in Romans 8, 9, it says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit of God. Oh, sorry. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to God. So if we belong to God, if we've given our lives to Jesus, if we've confessed with our mouths, believed in our heart, then we do have the presence of God. We do have the Holy Spirit in us. That's the seal. That's what shows. That's what having the Holy Spirit in our lives shows that we are God's children. And after we give our lives to God, we encourage you to get baptized because that's what the Word says. And we're going to have a baptism service um, coming up in March. And what happens is, where it's that is a symbol. It's it's saying it's a. Um, so what I'm looking for representation of what happens at salvation so we're saying okay as we get baptized we're going under the water it means we're dying to we're putting aside the life that we did live our old life our old self um, and we're actually coming up as we come up with Christ we're now going to live in a new life and do you know that the everything that baptism symbolizes the Holy Spirit actually accomplishes in us so as we come up and we say we're going to live this new life, it's only because we're filled with the Holy Spirit that we can walk in this new way of doing life. As we give more ownership, as we allow the Holy Spirit to take more influence, as we acknowledge his presence more, as we walk with him day in and day out, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, strengthens us, encourages us, builds into us, forgives us, convicts us, counsels us, grows us, and helps us to become more like Jesus. So when we are putting our rule of life together, when we're putting our spiritual practices in place, when we're creating the space for God, what we're actually doing is saying, God, I'm giving you more access. Holy Spirit, I invite you to take more of a leadership role in my life. Holy Spirit, I don't want to rely on my own understanding. I want to rely on you, on your wisdom. So as we do that, as we do the work of cultivating the soil, we're going to see the fruit as we allow the Holy Spirit more leadership, more access in our lives. And so when you're having a hectic day at work and you just want to swear at your boss, which obviously never happens in my work, it really doesn't, um, instead we stop and we say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're with me. Holy Spirit, you're present here. Yeah help me. Help me to make the right choice. Lead me. Give me wisdom. Give me more self-control. And we actually rely and rest in God. We allow um, His Holy Spirit to strengthen us. We walk in the Spirit. And so thirdly, my third point is the Holy Spirit is a person to know, not a force to capture. Yeah, it's a, he's a person to know, not a force to capture. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come on you and take you and you like be, start doing all these things that you've never thought you could, would do before. No, <laughs> he's a person. He comes and takes your hand. And he says, come, let's walk through this together. Let me whisper truths into your ear. Let let me explain things as you read the word. Let me walk with you as you go to school. Let me help you make good choices. When when you're wanting to make that choice, let me convict you and say, no, 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 no. That's not going to be good for you. Rather do this. He's a person that we have the honor and privilege of getting to know. Yeah, I grew up in the... In church when it was the Pentecostal movement and it was amazing. We would have these Holy Spirit meetings where we would just feel the presence of God so strongly and we would encounter God in such a mighty way. But I think it got to a point where people started chasing that. And it was you just wanted to get to the next meeting, the next meeting, the next meeting to feel God's presence. And we started chasing after, or at least where I was, we started chasing after this feeling where actually I feel like we should have been chasing after the person of the Holy Spirit, the intimacy that the Holy Spirit brings. And those things are good. That's why we have five days of focus. That's why we have encounter nights um, once a month. And we're gonna end this series off with an encounter night, and I encourage you to come because it is incredible to stand in God's presence, to feel and to sense his presence. But something has to change in us when we encounter God. And I think maybe what eventually even turned me away from God was seeing these, everyone encounter God, but then you go home and it's the same. Nothing's changed. And and you're still mean, and you're still fighting about the same things. And, And I'm like, but if God is real, surely he can change us. Surely something should happen in us. And that's what I'm telling you is possible today. We can encounter God every day of our lives in a way that when we slow down enough, we create the right environment, we can sit, we can encounter God, that He actually changes us from the inside out as we surrender more and more to His role of leader and Lord in our lives. Do you know, we are so blessed. As I was preparing this, I was just so, the one, one day I was so overwhelmed by like, sure, God, like, this is... This is what the gospel is. This is the good news of the gospel, is that in the Old Testament, we look back, they didn't have this. They didn't have access to God in this way. In the temple, only a priest could go in once a year. They didn't have intimacy like this. We have access to the very presence, that presence that was presence that was so strong and powerful and mighty in the temple, that same presence lives in us. We have the person of the Holy Spirit with us every single day. And I've got to ask myself, how often do I take that for granted? How often do I go through a day, not even acknowledge God's presence in my life? And we, we try and we put all these things on ourselves and we, we, we try to do so much in our own strength. And it's only when we're falling apart that we're eventually like, oh God, but he's there, he's with us. Come on, let's not rely on our own strength. Let's not make decisions in our own mind. We have the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit with us every day, every minute, every second of every day. And so the Holy Spirit is a person to know. And we know this because, firstly, he thinks and knows. So in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, it says but it was it was to us that god revealed these things by his spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us god's deep secrets so it's not saying god searches out it's saying it's revealed to us by god's spirit and it was god's spirit who searches so he knows he thinks secondly he has emotions Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. And the translations say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Okay, when he sees us making choices, because he's with us all the time, when he sees us making choices that are going to be harmful to us, it brings sorrow to him. It grieves him because he loves us. Thirdly, he cares for us. In Romans eight twenty six to 27, we actually see the Holy Spirit pleads for believers. He prays for us. He pleads for us. He cares for us. He is a person that cares for us. Fourthly, he makes decisions according to his own will. When I was younger, I always thought the Holy Spirit was just like just the presence of God. So you've got God, and then it's just his presence here. I never thought of him as a person, as his own person. Like God, the Holy Spirit is its own person, not just the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, we see this. It says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It's his decision. He has a will of his own. We're saying I'm, he decides who gets what. So the Holy Spirit is a person to know, not a force to capture. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. And as God, the Holy Spirit can truly function as the comforter and the counselor that Jesus promised he would be. Because you see, G- the Holy Spirit, or Jesus actually said, it is better for me to go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. My Father's going to send you the Holy Spirit. So it was better because now we have the Holy Spirit who is our comforter. So when we're sad, when we're, when things are hectic in life, he comforts us. He is our counselor. Okay, when we when we have Maybe trauma from, from the past, or we have deep issues that we need, to need, that we need to try and forgive people for things that it's impossible to forgive for, or when we have um, generational patterns that are unhealthy and we're desperately trying to break these, it's the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that we sit with and allow to counsel us. We sit in that place, in that quiet place with Him. And He counsels us. He does a deep work in our hearts that actually brings about change, that brings, like we, we find we can forgive in a way that we never thought was possible. We find these patterns slowly changing and shifting because of the work that the Holy Spirit does in us. He's our teacher. When we sit with the Word of God and we read the Word of God, it's the Holy Spirit sitting with us who brings revelation, who teaches us and and helps us understand what we're reading. He strengthens us. He prays for us. He is with us all the time. And as we give the Holy Spirit more influence in our lives, as we allow Him more and more to lead us, He will shape us into His image. We can be changed from the inside out. And so in closing... The Holy Spirit is a person to know, not a force to capture. You cannot know a person by learning about them. So I can stand here and I can tell you all about my husband, Reese. He likes this, he doesn't like this, he wears this, he dresses like this, he looks like this. Um, I can tell you all about his wonderful and weird quirks, but if I put you in a room alone with him and leave you at a table by yourself, it's gonna be awkward, right? At least for the beginning, Because you don't know Him. You know about Him, but you don't know Him. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to know the person of the Holy Spirit through the teachings of someone else. You can sit in church every week, week in and week out, and we can teach you about God, but you will never know Him unless you risk relationship with Him. Unless you take Create the space. Do the work that it takes. Work on your rule of life. Put the the effort in to create the right environments where you can then just sit and get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. So my question for you today and what I want to leave you with is, do you have a practice of communion with God? Do you have a time and a place where you create the space for the Holy Spirit to work in your heart? Are you giving over more and more influence in your life to the Holy Spirit? Or are you taking the Holy Spirit's presence for granted? Are we striving and trying to do this on our own, trying to be better people, trying to to make a difference, trying to grow? Or are we sitting with the person of the Holy Spirit and allowing Him, into our hearts we want to become people of love this world needs people of love who can go out and be God's hands and feet we need the church to be people of love but first we need to know the person of the Holy Spirit and so can we just stand as we close and I want to encourage you this week to be intentional with creating space, slowing down, choose some part of your day where you can just acknowledge His presence with you. And so right now, I just want to even encourage you to do that right now. If you feel comfortable, can you lift your hands up? This is just a sign of surrender. It's saying, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you. And let's just take a moment, because if, you, if you're a Christian here today, if you've given your life to Jesus, You are his temple. He is with you. His presence is here right now. So Holy Spirit, we just want to take a moment to just acknowledge your presence in our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that each one of us would be able to picture you just taking our hand right now and us actually giving you our hand to say, come, come and take a leadership role in my life. Come and lead me and guide me and counsel me and teach me. And Father God, I wanna thank you for sending Jesus I want to thank you for sending Jesus to that, so that he could make it possible for us to know you in this kind of way. And Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for modeling to us the way that we can live. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being present. Thank you for showing us God's presence. Thank you for making it possible for us to become people of love so that we can bring you honor and glory. Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead us. We commit our lives to you. Help us to find the space, to prioritize the time, to put in the work that we need to, to do our part so that you can do your part. But God, our ultimate goal in all of this is just that we want to know you. We want to know you more, God. Your word says that or pull praise over the disciples. And I think that's my prayer today, that you would know how wide, how high, how deep, how long God's love is for you, that you would know the person of the Holy Spirit. And God, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you at all if they've never given their hearts or their lives over to you, God, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them right now. Show them how high, how wide, how deep your love is for them. Show them this incredible gift that we have, this blessing that we have of having you in our lives commit them to you, God. I commit each one of us to you. We ask you to bless us so that we can bless you, so that we can bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.